And the more we do life and the older we get, we realize that we have absolutely no control or no power over it. We go with the flow, so to speak, and hopefully you're flowing with God. And you get to a point where you realize that after you read the Scripture and as the Holy Spirit talks to your heart, you just can't sit around anymore. That there, there's something that spurs you into action. You that are in the balcony this morning, we are going to take communion at the end of this message. And if you would like to do that or you feel led to do that, you might want to get that now so you'd have that ready. One of the things about the communion cups in the balcony, they are childproof. That's why I never use them because I don't know how to open them actually. So, but you guys get those and, and get them ready. They're a little different, you know. So may each of us, we think about this new year, happy new year to everybody. May each of us grow more and more in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ in this new year. To do this, we just, we just can't sit around. And this was one of my favorite stories, illustrations I've ever used, actually. This was the philosophy of one California resident by the name of Lawrence Larry Richard Walters, nicknamed Lawn Chair Larry. Bill, I hate to say this, but it kind of rem- this, this whole scenario kind of reminds me of Bill Snodgrass for some reason, but this is something we might want to try in the future. Larry was an American truck driver who took flight on July 2nd, 1982 in a homemade airship dubbed Inspiration One. The flying machine consisted of an ordinary lawn chair with 42 helium-filled balloons, weather balloons attached to it. This was his intention was to float over the Mojave Desert, then use a pellet gun to bust balloons and slowly, gently, uh, and gracefully return to Earth. But it didn't turn out that way. So Larry went and purchased 42 eight-foot weather balloons. He attached his balloons to his lawn chair, filled them with helium, put on a parachute, strapped him in his chair in the backyard of his home, took a pellet gun, CB radio, sandwiches, beer, and a camera. (laughs) This, This is just so bizarre to me. When, when his friends cut the cord that tied his lawn chair to his Jeep, Walter's chair rose rapidly to a height of 16,000 feet. <laughs> a thousand feet per minute. And was spotted by two commercial airline pilots who radioed LAX. Can you imagine that conversation? Boys, you're not going to believe this. But here at 16,000 feet is a lunatic in a lawn chair with a pellet gun on his lap. At first, he didn't dare shoot any of the balloons down because I'm sure that he was just worked up a little bit, but he, he didn't want to upset the load and make it lopsided, so he let it go for a while, and he drifted into the, the corridor of LAX. After an hour in the sky, he shot several balloons and then accidentally dropped his pellet gun overboard. He descended slowly until the, the, balloons dangled cables, the, the balloons dangling cables got caught in a power line, causing a 20-minute electrical blackout in Long Beach. Walters was able to climb to the ground. He was immediately arrested by waiting members of the Long Beach Police Department. When asked by a reporter why he'd done it, Walters said, a man just can't sit around. <laughs> man, it's a, it's a great idea to ponder, but uh, nonetheless, it's, uh, I, maybe here you might get by with it. I don't know. I found this on YouTube. It's an NBC newscast from July 1982 and kind of explains the event. It's kind of interesting. Let's watch. NASA officials say Challenger's first flight is in January. It should be good for 100 flights altogether. 
On the Challenger, which is about 2,000 pounds lighter than the Columbia, the tiles have been reinforced to better withstand foul weather. Roger. The country got through its 206th birthday celebration in fairly good shape. The fireworks crowds were down somewhat in Washington and in New York, but St. Louis claimed the nation's biggest gathering, two million along the banks of the Mississippi. There were, of course, foot races and turtle races and balloon races, but there was only one balloon trip like the one Larry Walters of North Hollywood took. Here's David Burrington. Larry Walters had always dreamed of flying a balloon to a faraway place. So with help from a friend who taped these scenes, he rigged 42 weather balloons to a lawn chair and filled them with helium. Walters hoped to fly across the mountains to the Mojave Desert, staying in touch with a CB radio. Suddenly a cable broke and up he went with one emotion. Fulfillment. I was on my way. The first casualty, his glasses. They slipped overboard, leading to this radio transmission with his girlfriend. My other glasses, I can see perfectly, don't worry. Do you copy? Over. I copy. Are you sure you're okay? There's trees up there. We can hear them. Are you okay? I'm A-okay. I'm going through a thin fog layer. Over. My altitude's 1,500 feet. See marine line right now. Okay, you can see marine line. They're heading towards... Oh, my God. They're going towards the ocean already. Hey, everybody down here says to cut it out. Get down now. Cut, cut your blue. Come down now. Everyone wants to down now. The balloon reached 16,000 feet, spotted by two astonished airline pilots. But the craft wasn't moving, so after nearly two hours, Walters shot out some balloons with a BB gun and came down fast over Long Beach, the only time he was frightened. I saw were roof tops and power lines. I thought to myself, my, my God, this is it. You know, please God, you know, don't let me get fried. Today, Walters said he has no intention of going ballooning again. His first priority now is to sell the rights to his story. David Burrington, NBC News, Los Angeles. Well, Karen, when you cut old Bill loose, make sure he's got his cell phone on. So, uh, <laughs> man, what a, what a wild story. We can't just sit around. I think the illustration is today that God spells out in his word that you and I can't sit around either. Proverbs, or Psalms 39, 4 through 7 says, Lord... Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth for someone else to spend. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. James said in chapter 4, verse 14, how do you know what will happen tomorrow for your life is like a morning fog? It's here a little while when it's, and then it's gone. We cannot sit around because we need to be growing in the wisdom of our great God. I think a lot of times in the faith we get a little lax. The things are going along maybe kind of smooth and nothing has upset our apple cart, so to speak. And I think there are times that God tries to get our attention again to get us back on track. Psalm 90.12 says, teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. Ephesians 5 tells us to be careful on how to live. Verse 16, the King James Version reads this, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The Scripture is telling us to, we can't sit around because we need to redeem our time. To redeem means to set free, to rescue, to ransom, to stay, save from a state of sinfulness and its consequences. 
And we know the consequences of our sin, don't we? Many of us have been scarred, and we will be scarred forever. And we have created consequences in our sin that we, we can't go back and correct, correct. They're always there. And we know that to be true, if we're honest. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20 tells us to redeem our time. And how do you do that? By living by the power of the Holy Spirit. So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill you and control you. Then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peterson's The Message puts that same passage this way. Just a little different, same message. So watch your step, use your head. Make the most of every chance to get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God. Hew drafts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master Jesus Christ. Redeem your time. Why? Paul says, because the days are evil. These are desperate times for those who do not know Christ. I've often wondered if, as we see the decline of mankind, as we see morals start here in Acts as the church started, and we see them slide and slide and slide, and it seems like every decade, every century, it just goes a little deeper to now the things that are acceptable even 50 years ago, were off the charts not acceptable. It was taboo. I don't know if there is any taboo anymore. In this culture, you can just pretty much do what you want, and people are supposed to accept that. People in this world that are lost act the way they do because they don't know any better. And God has you in their life to tell them the truth and show them the way. And that's, that's why our witness is so very, very important. And that's why the Holy Spirit convicts us sometimes and we feel guilty because our witness wasn't that great. And who here would argue that there's not evil in this world? And we cannot sit around, like Larry Walters stated, we as followers of Christ, we need to be active. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, again, be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It's our responsibility as followers of Christ to live as children of light, chapter 5, verse 8, and to expose evil. And we must be very careful how we live. Our lives are to please God. And they, we must conduct ourselves before unbelievers as to shine with the light of Christ because we are the mirrors. We are the mirrors that God uses to shine light into the darkness of people's lives that don't know Christ. And a lot of times the mirrors get some smudges on them. They're distorted. That's why the Holy Spirit convicts us and we ask for forgiveness and Jesus shines or sprays a little Windex on there and Wipes that off to the mirror's clean again. That is the point. That's why he, Paul again said, he said it in Colossians 4, 5, be wise in the way you act, like the way you act toward outsiders. 
This has been said thousands and thousands of times. We are the only Christ that the world ever sees. And if you make a new relationship with somebody, how long or how far into that relationship do they know that you're a follower of Christ? And a lot of times it's not immediate, but there's got to come a time where you come to an intersection in that relationship that your faith has to come out some way, somehow. It just has to. And that's what Paul is talking about, being wise. The Greek phrase, making the most of every opportunity, conveys the idea of buying from time, redeeming the time. We should be aware of that constantly, the time that we're in to redeem that time for Christ, actually. The way we act, what we say, because the days are evil, wrote Paul. He was communicating his sense of urgency because of evil's pervasiveness. And the hold that it has on people that we know and we love. Let's face it. We all know evil people. You hate to admit it, but it's the way they live their life. They're evil. They do it because they don't know any better. That's my thought on that. But Christ puts us in their lives to steer them away from evil. And to do what? To steer them toward Christ. That is why we were there, why, why he puts us there, actually. If you right now make a quick, quick mental note of all the things that you hold dear, that's valuable, start at the top and even just go down to five, what would be number one? For a lot of us, it'd be our loved ones, our family. We would die for them, most of us would. Perhaps at your house, hopefully your church, and perhaps a few other possessions, but it probably wouldn't include our time. People can break in our house, steal our stuff, pickpocket us and steal our money, and it would upset us. But you'll work and you'll get more. Your house could burn down, but most of us have insurance, or your insurance company would, burn, would build that house back. You would hate it because you would lose all your pictures and mementos, but you'd get it back. But if you lose your time, it's impossible to get that back. You cannot get it back. We talk about wasting time or whatever. My granny used to say the best, time to kill, the best way to kill time is to work it to death. But it's, it's the fact that it's something that's so precious that you can't get back. That's why Paul said that we need to make the most of every opportunity. Verse 17 says, So not, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We're not to waste our time being foolish. And that's something I have to tell myself 24-7. We have a job to do, and our lives must reflect our motivation and our goal to, to serve our God. Paul said we need to, to show that we understand what the will of the Lord is, that we continue to grow in his knowledge and his grace and get to know him better. Do you know what the final outcome of God's will is for you? It's sanctification. It's a setting apart, that it's a continual process that once we, we bow that knee to Christ and we give our heart to him, we start this process in the faith and hopefully, as we're growing in the knowledge and wisdom of, of Christ, that we get closer to God and we set ourselves apart a little more and a little more and a little more. I hope that you, as a follower of Christ, when you started on point X over here to where you are now as you head towards Christ, that you're over here somewhere, that you're not clear over here. That is the point. God's will is sanctification, a setting apart for us every day that we might be found in the image of his son.
that we might reflect Christ to the world. Do you think you do? Well, I hope so, brother or sister. I hope so with all my heart. That people that you live with, people that you work with, people that you go to school with, they know, they know that you're different from the rest of the world. Through your actions, through your speech, the way that you love them, the way that you have compassion. God wants us to be holy and set apart from this world. It's a lifetime endeavor. And we will never arrive on this side of the river, perhaps, to where we want to be. But we gotta, we got we to move that way. As his servants, we ought to do everything we can to work toward his will for us. In one of his parables, Jesus said this in Luke 12, 47. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. Man, that sound, doesn't sound like any fun. You know, that's what disobedience does to us. Our consequences, the consequences of our sin... <laughs> beats us. How do we live this out is the question. We have been given an example in the life of our Savior Jesus Christ. Because of him, we cannot just sit around. It is time for us to control the present. The old hymn, Take Time to Be Holy, there's a line that says each victory will help you some other to win. In other words, each victory will help us with future victories. It's taking control over the parts of our life that we do control. It's a very wise thing to do. I've stood on the Mount of Olives and looked over Jerusalem, and the Scripture comes to mind in the sadness in Christ's heart when he said it in Matthew 23, 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you or gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing the religious people of Jesus' day were focused on petty internal things, and they missed the Messiah. And I think sometimes you and I get in that same vein, so to speak, that we get so focused on petty things that we miss, and we see a whole generation around us going to hell. We don't talk about hell much, but we should, because it's the other alternative from heaven. It's the place that people go that don't have Christ in their heart. And all of us in here today, we know people that are headed there. It's pretty evident in their life. And it aggravates us sometimes because they won't listen. But that's not our job. Our job is to reflect Christ to them 24-7. And our job is to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us. To hopefully soften them in a way that they let down their guard and, and know Jesus. How often in your life is Jesus saying this to you, but instead of saying, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, he says your name. I see you stumbling through life. I see you struggling. I see you caught in these addictions. I see you doing the same sin over and over and over again and getting beat down by the consequences. Won't you let me help you? Will you give me that chance? Will you let me gather you under my wings and let you have peace for a while? Think about that, under his wings. 
He knows we live surrounded by danger. He knows that. He gives us an opportunity for refuge. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. He gives us access to his power. He does all this because of his compassion. He makes salvation available to anybody that wants it. We have a responsibility to respond, and it's time to consider the time that lies ahead, our time. There's a bumper sticker that says, if you want to run with the big dogs, you have to get off the porch. The porch is obviously safer, at least for the time being. But there is a tremendous risk of getting, on the port, getting off the porch with no apparent guarantees. But here are three guarantees. You will always reap what you sow. You will always reap more than you sow, and you will always reap later than you sow. We cannot sit around because God tells us that our time is short. Because we need to be growing in wisdom of our great God, and we need to redeem our time, making most of every opportunity to do good in every opportunity that we can because the days are evil. So 2017 stretches out before us. This is day one. As there are 24 hours in this day, there'll be 24 hours in all the days that ensue. 60 minutes in an hour. What will you do to redeem this time that God has put in your account? How will you make the most of every opportunity that God gives you to do good? Perhaps we all need to make a bucket list. Maybe you've seen the movie. Two men are dying. They're terminal. They have cancer. But right before they died, they had a little time. Their time was short, and they took advantage of that time that they had left. In this clip, we see that both men didn't agree on all the activities of their bucket list. This is a great clip. 15 seconds! No, no, wait, wait, I can't do this! Sure you can! No, I can't, really! It's not the jump you're afraid of! It's not! You're just afraid your chute won't open and you'll show up at your own funeral! As a Denver omelet. No, I'm pretty much just worried the shoot won't open. No, no. <laughs> Man's got some lungs. <laughs> Let's hit the steel. Geronimo! Oh, yeah, be you If you've seen that movie, they got real close and they formed a bond with each other and one of them died before the other. And in this clip, you see what that relationship, the effect that it had on the one that lived. Good afternoon. My name is Edward Cole. 
I don't know what most people say at these occasions because, in all honesty, I, I've tried to avoid them. The simplest thing is, I loved him and I miss it. Carter and I saw the world together, which is amazing when you think that only three months ago we were complete strangers. I hope that it doesn't sound selfish of me, but the last months of his life best months of mine. He saved my life, and he knew it before I did. I'm deeply proud that this man found it worth his while to know me. In the end, I think it's safe to say that we brought some joy to one another's lives. So, one day when I go to some final resting place, if I happen to wake up next to a certain wall with a gate, I hope that Carter's there to vouch for me and show me the ropes on the other side. Morgan Freeman died in that, but there was a scene when they were on a private jet, and Morgan Freeman started to share about his faith that he had, and uh, Jack Nicholson didn't buy it by that, but evidently by hearing that in this movie that Morgan Freeman had planted a seed in his heart, and it grew. I hope you have relationships like that, especially with those that don't know Christ. And somehow, as God forms your relationship with that person, that he opens that window and you'll be able to share with them. And sometimes it takes a long time, and sometimes it takes a lifetime. I've dealt with people that fought God, ignored God, didn't want nothing to do with God. But on their deathbed, it opens up a whole different chapter because they know that their time is short. And for some reason, they have grasped the concept when this heart stops... It's not the resting place. The real you moves on somewhere. Perhaps you and I need to make a spiritual faith-based bucket list for this new year. And it could read like this. I, you put your name in there, make this promise to you, my great God, that in this new year of 2017, I will. 
increase my faith in Christ. I will make a prayer. I will make prayer and studying God's word a priority. I will seek to do what God asks of me. I will work on my relationships to others. All of them, whether family, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, and to those who do not know him. And I ask you this morning, as my brothers and sisters, will you make this your bucket list for 2017? Will you commit to that? If you commit to that, would you please stand? I want you to pick up a piece of bread. Let's seal the deal this morning as we remember his sacrifice. Jesus told us to do this not out of tradition. He told us to do it as part of our lives, as part of our spiritual journeys that we are to do this. And as he sat with his disciples that night in the upper room, I'm sure they held that chunk of bread and they tore it off and held it up and said, Jesus said, this is my body. It will be broken for you. It will be almost destroyed. But from every day, from the rest of your lives, till you leave this earth, when you do this, remember me hanging on that cross in agony, dying for you. And I'm sure he took that cup. It was the Holy Grail. It was the common cup that everybody passed and drank out of together. I'm sure he's held it up and he said, this is my blood. But currently it's flowing through these veins. But here in a few hours, you'll see this blood flowing down that cross and going into the dry, dusty earth, which soaks it up. And he said, this blood is shed for you, for you to live here in power and in peace through the power of the Holy Spirit, and someday you will be with me in paradise. But every time you drink this cup, you remember that blood, and you remember the great sacrifice that I made for you, that you might know me more and more and more, and that you might take me and share me to those around you. So, God, we thank you for your great sacrifice. Lord, as I always say, I'm always at a loss for words. There are no words that can even come close to explaining the sacrifice you made for us or explaining the grace and the mercy that you continue to pour out on your children. Even though we don't deserve it, you just keep pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. May it have a giant and great effect on our lives and the way we live. So right now, Father, I just pray for these folks that as we go into this new year, that it might be a year that we set apart more and more of ourselves for you. Thanks again for loving us. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Remember, God, you just can't sit around.